today is the beginning and the end. Today is um, very relevant to particularly today, but it's also the end of our summer series where we've spent a lot of time on the Yud Gamil Karim. And um, we've covered a lot of ground, both in terms of the bigger picture, we've also covered a lot of the karim inside, which, is, which has been quite an achievement. It is not gone, it's just on hold. We're going to have to find another opportune time to carry on, carry on the, the session. Today we end off with one which is absolutely relevant to this morning, and that is the fifth ikar of the Rambam. This is the first of all the ikarim, which has a really practical application, which is actually related to an action. Up till now, a lot of been, what we've been talking about him is also related to, is very much related to the head, about what you think, about how you understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This is actually the first Ikar which relates to an action. It's also important because this now is a transition Ikar. Remember that we, when at the beginning we were talking about how the Sefer HaIkarim argues with the Rambam and says that in fact there's not 13 Ikarim, there's really a, there's three major sections of, of Ikarim. So what the, so the Sefer HaIkarim says, says that if, essentially what you could do is you could compact the Rambam into, uh, into three sets, into, into three ideas. And the first one is the knowledge that there is a God. And he believes that all of the, fir- the, um, all of the first five of the Rambam's principles essentially really can be contracted, compacted into one Ikar. So we're also ending off at a point which is very significant because this is really the end of section one of the Ikarim as well. Very important, uh, very important starting place. This is really we're almost where all of the first ones are pointing. The Sikar. So let's, without much further ado, let's, let's uh, learn it inside and then think about this because as simple as it seems, it's not simple at all. The Rambam says the following. This is again the Rambam in Pirush Mishnah in, um, the, the, in the 11th parak of Sanhedrin or the 10th parak of Sanhedrin. And he says the following. On the first page, the fifth foundation. And uh, that, that he... Is um, he, um, is um, the one who is who is fitting to serve, to um, exalt, and to uh, and to uh, uh, to publicize his greatness and um, and umashma uta and his um, his uh, saying or his uh, expression in this world. And and the mirror opposite of what the sentence says is that you therefore can't attribute any form of, of greatness to anything below him. And let, let's look at those anythings. Those anythings were angels, stars, any um, celestial system, and any foundational, foundational material in this world. Why? What's the, what's the reason? Mutba comes from the word teva. So mutba'im means to say that they're stamped or ingrained with their function. Okay, so therefore, when an angel is doing something, is he doing it because of you? The answer is no. Right, it's not doing it because of you. He's doing it because such was the program. Right, the command prompt was sent. That's what he's doing and he's going to carry on doing it. He's not doing it because of you or your interaction with you. Um... They have no power, they have no choice. They simply do what Hashem wants. And therefore, don't make them as, um, as in-betweens. Go-betweens to serve Him, to reach Him. Towards God you should think. 
we should um, you, you should it should be the antenna of your thoughts. and leave everything else outside of him. says the Raman, this is really where this is the seeds of Avodazara. Okay? And the most of the Torah came to, uh, um, to warn, warn us. Now, by the way, it's so fascinating. If you want to just like, just that last sentence of the Rambam is, is, is very relevant. The Rambam has got a worldview. And the more you learn Rambam, the more you see how his worldview is consistent. So he believes, he says, that misunderstanding this is really the basis of, of Avodah Happens to be that when you learn the Rambam in Hilchos Avodah <coughs> later on, which he wrote in his, his later life, he says exactly that point. He says, wait a second, and we, we, we've done this before together, but let's just re- recap for a quick second. Where did Avodah Zarah actually stem from? Who was the first person in the world to serve Avodah Zarah? We know that it was. Not Terach, Terach, Terach was later. That Terach is, is 10th generation, 9th generation. First person was Enosh, right? Uh, the, we actually say, say mention his name in. Davening is almost like given the name of, um, of humanity. He was the third generation. That means it goes Adam, Shais, Enosh, right? That's um, Shais was the third son who most of humanity came out of. Noach came from Shais, not Kain or Hevel. And um, that, that, those, two, those two lines of, of humanity were wiped out. Shais uh, produced um, Enosh, and Enosh was the first person. You know, the, uh, so the Ramam isn't making it up. Where, did it, where do we know that actually Shais started serving our Zara? Zarah? How does the Torah tell us? Hashem. It says that Enosh was began to call the name of God. What does it mean? God? He came to. He started calling in the name of God. I mean, that's a great thing, calling in the name of God. So the Rambam understands based on the Midrashim that what he did was he said the following. He said, you know, look at that magnificent sun. Look at that solar system. Look at those powerful forces in the world. And he says, God. What is he? What is he, What is he essentially is he doing? He's saying that I realize that these are subsidiaries, these are essentially messengers of God, so I'm going to give them that honor. I'm going to tell them, I'm going to relate to them because they are essentially the messengers of God. And I'm going to start giving them that relevance. That's the way Avodah Zorah started. They, he started attributing the name of God to very powerful parts of creation. And then what happened was, is then they started setting up shrines. And then the priests of the shrine said, well, you know what? It's true that you're serving God and this is the means, but you know, sometimes it's better just to focus on the means. And then a, g- a generation or two went by, and the means became the ends. And that's how everything started. So says the Rambam, don't start talking to the intermediaries. That's what the Rambam says. And that's why he, he references himself later on in his life as, um, as saying, this is where Avodah Zarah stems from. We say this in the Ani Mamis of the Dalin, just to see the way it's, it's recorded. Hashem is the only one who is worthy to dive into. And there's no one else, nothing else to dive into. Right? Behold, the master of the universe, and every creation will show his greatness and his, and his sovereignty. Okay, so very, very, you notice over here that the Raman is actually telling you what not to do. Okay, beforehand, the, in the Ikarim, it was more about what not to think. He's now telling you what not to do. That's the, that, the, this, is, this, is, this is pretty, uh, a, a pretty revolutionary step in terms of the Ikarim. Now, why is this so, what's the logic behind this? Let's just recap. The Ramam says the reason why, we don't, why this is important is because 
Well, there's no point. There's no point, right? So the Ramam is essentially saying is that it doesn't really help you. Because if you look at any other force in the world, that force is pre-programmed. So, so speaking to it is not going to really help you. It may make you feel very nice. And it may, in fact, have a placebo effect on you. But it's not necessarily going to change anything that's happening because those things are really actually going all the time and, um, and in motion. That's the way the Ramam says it. Now, the Sefer Ikram says it's subtly and uh, subtly different. He also believes in this as part of belief in God. And he says, For this, you need to pray only to God. So he says that Tvila is always an intellectual, an intellectual endeavor. And intellectually, you cannot pray to something which doesn't have power. So similarly, it's all, all very similar to the Rambam. You can't pray to, to things which are not going to help you. That's the way the Sefer Karim says it. Now, let's, let, let, let's just think about this for a moment. Is this a logical thing? Is the meaning, is the Rambam, is, does this Rambam make sense? Yeah, sure. Right, meaning, like if we were to vote at this point in time and say, you know, does it make more sense than what the Rambam is saying? Or perhaps you say that no, there is the there is the place to do uh, there is place otherwise. Shalom. Doesn't it matter what the purpose of davening is? In which regard? If you're saying I can't daven to something else, if the, if the implication is that da that the purpose of davening is to is to change is to change God's mind. Oh great, excellent. You're, you're going to change. You're going to do something, and you're going to change what God does. If but if, and that's one way of looking at davening. But if you're if you look at davening as an experience that changes the person. Does it really, you know, you, okay. then you have to dive into something that overwhelms you and puts you in your, in your place. That's a very good point. So, Charles bringing up a very important point, and this is if we just take a step backwards into Tzvila, it's not so simple what Tzvila is actually doing. You know, and um, we can really, I'd like to really spend some time on this another time, because this is like a very, very fascinating topic, is, is what are you trying to achieve with Tzvila? Meaning, you know, God says that, uh, you know, Trump, I'm just going to use this generically right now, deserves or doesn't deserve this. Let's say... That God says, Trump doesn't deserve this. I'm not, <laughs> not making any political statements. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and, and Trump thinks that, you know what? Really, 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 I know or I think that I deserve it. So what exactly are you trying to achieve? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, you know, God says, not right now. And, and you say, well, just one second, God. And then you take three steps backwards, three steps forwards. And after a two and a half minute presentation, then God says, well, you know, now that you put it that way. <laughs> you know, I, I, hadn't, you know I, I hadn't really seen it from that perspective beforehand. That's, that doesn't seem to be happening because we say that God's immutable. God's not changing. He's not changing depend, uh, no, no matter what or how, fa how fancy your presentation is going to be. So what's going on? So one of the answers to that question is, is, um, is what Dr. Huberfeld is saying. There's a beautiful line that, that Rav Hirsch takes, actually, in fact, in this direction. And he says the word lehis palel is reflexive, right? So, for instance, lichtov um, is to write, but what is, uh, well, that's actually a bad one. Lidlok is to, is to light something. What is, um, no, that's a hadlik. What, what's the, oh, there, lavash. Lavash is to, uh, to clothe. So what about lehit labesh means? To clothe oneself, right? So palel, what is the what is the root of palel? Because it's been reflected here. What's the word palel mean? In the in the in the in the in the Tanakh, it's usually used in the form of. There's a number of explanations, but one of them is judgment, right? Nasan biflilim is one example of that. There's by Pinchas that by palel Pinchas that Pinchas actually judged, so to speak, Hashem. And there's very interesting discussion over there. So what's lehis palel then? 
Judge to judge oneself. The way Rav Hirsch understands that tefillah works is, is that it's really a, a changing or a realigning oneself. So therefore, if we'll call it person A was going to not deserve something, well, person A doesn't deserve something. But if person A plus is now over here, A plus may deserve that because A plus has changed themselves. That's, the, that's how tefillah is operating. So if that's the way the tefillah is operating... Then this 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 might be more of a mute point, which is what uh, what Eberfeld is me- mentioning. However, we should realize the mainstream understanding of Twitter is that you actually are changing an effect outside of yourself as well. Okay, because that's for instance, how how then do we daven for sick people, right? In the, right, just if you're thinking about that uh, within this line, the, this is a very fascinating discussion as to Twitter itself. Bit as a may. Now, so the, the, I, I would say that the Rama makes a lot of sense. However, the problem is, is that. It's not um, abundantly clear in all places. The, um, the, the, the place where this is, um, seems clear from the, in the Gomorrah is actually not the Talmud Bavli, it's the Talmud Yerushalmi, interestingly enough. The Gomorrah says in Source 4, and we're going to let's contrast this in just a second. The, the Gomorrah says in Yerushalmi, Brachos in the ninth parak, Rabbi Yudan Omar Mishmei Didei. Rabbi Yudan said in, the na- in his own name. Okay, so he's obviously clarifying that he's not hearing this from anybody else. Basav Adam Yeshloi Patron so let's say you have a person who has an office or a building or a palace and somebody else is coming for, with a request. You don't just jump barge in. So you just walk in, you ring the bell, you speak to the assistant and sometimes the assistant's got an assistant and then what happens is, is that they say, announce you and they tell you, you know, well, you know, come back in, in, in 45 minutes or you can come in now. Then, um, uh, meaning, and it's still a decision process where you're going to be let in. not like that. Don't come and start knocking on the door of the angels and say, well, you know, let's speak to the angels and make a request. Come to me. That's the way that, that, that Yerushalmi uh, points it. So the Yerushalmi is not just describing a mechshav, it's actually telling you what not to do. Sounds very similar to the Rambam. <coughs> Beautiful. Everything sounds to like it fits in that. However, they all... Okay, excellent. So what I'd like to, like to discuss with you is four practical, four practical applications of this, of, this, of this. Exactly. And one of them is gravesides. Okay, in just, in, just, in just a moment. But before we get there, let's just, let's just, let's just put the, the, the foil on this Gomorrah over here. The Bavli actually just says it a little differently. The Bavli has two very strange ways of describing this. It's actually, if you zip to page, uh, to page 6 in source 14, just two examples of where the Gomorrah in the, in the Babylonian Talmud actually disagrees. Because the, here's an example. The Gomorrah says in Brachos, a person enters the, um, the, the house of the chair, which refers to the restroom. Right? So if a person is entering the restroom, Oimer is Chabdu Mechubadim, he says, please respect me, those who are honored, those, are, those who are holy, those who serve the, the divine. Please give um, uh, honor to the God of Israel and return to me after I exit. Who exactly are you speaking to <laughs> before you enter the, the bathroom? So Rashi says, A person is escorted by angels, so therefore when you enter the, the, the restroom where they're not going to um, escort you, you say, you, you, it's almost a little departure prayer before, they, before you, you, um, you exit. Now, it seems very clear from the Gemara that you are talking to angels over here. 
And um, the Gemara again in Sanhedrin, Daladam um, Beis says, Rabbi Yochanan Amar Lo'olam Yevakesh Odom Rachamim Sheyehu Hakol Ma'amtsin Es Koychoi Valu Yoyot Sarim Lamelamala. A person should always ask mercy that everyone should help his strength. Who's that? Everyone. <laughs> Who's that? Everyone. Rashi says, Lo'olam Yevakesh Odom Rachamim Sheyehu Hakol Ma'amtsin Es Koychoi Sheyesayu Malchay Ashores Levakesh Rachamim. Well, this is not just now that you're asking leave of the Malachim. This means to say that you're actually asking the Malachim to help you. That's even, that's even more than what we just said in the, in the Babli, which sounds explicitly against what the Ramam has said, what the Yerushalmi has said. This is, this is what the, the problem over here. And you're gonna, you'll come across numerous, numerous Gemorahs like this in the Babli that are described uh, relating, relating and actually asking Malachim. Yes? Inshallah Malachim. Excellent. So let's, let's, let, let's focus on four areas. Area number one is what we did last night. Machnisei Rachamim. We're going to do it in, just, in, just, in just a second. Shalom Aleichem is another example. Visiting the, the, uh, the Bate Kvaros. And also, very fascinating for those Kabbalists in the, in the crowd, also Sviros, how the, how, how the system of Sviros works. So we don't have an, an exorbitant amount of time. So let's try, to, uh, let's, try to, let's try to get this through. Yes. Good example. Good exa- there's, there's many examples of that. Exactly that. That's, that. More than that. Hamalach, Hagoel, Osi, Mikora, Yevoreches, Hana, Oren. Who's talking? Yaakov's talking about angels. Right, so that, that, you know, I'm saying it's it's pretty clear in the text that there seems to be something going on. Yeah, no, but he's but he's he's dominant. There you could say he's dominant to Hashem. I will get there in a second. Right? In other words, it's a third person. Correct. He's not saying you Malach. He's saying. Okay, but at the end of the day, you're still asking. Yaakov Avinu is still saying Hamalach Agoyal Asimi Korah. You have already. It might be the third person, but he's still relating to that angel. He's not saying God protects the children. He's saying that angel protects the children. So you know. There seems to be something going on, as as um, um, as, um, as Dr. Cohen just mentioned as well. Uh, Dr. Cohen gets a Mazel Tov. We have to have an official Mazel Tov. Okay, the, um, the, engagement, uh, the engagement of his daughter, Mr. Shem, the Vort tomorrow night. Mazel Tov. Um, um, so, um, we, um, again, Yaakov Vino, the Malachim going up and down. That over there is more of an, a witnessing, but it doesn't seem to be that he's actually praying to them. The Midrashim might, it might lead on to that. No, but he's specifically at the time when he has the battle with the Malach. Yes, okay, yes, correct. Later on. On the way back, he says, he asks the angel to bless him, and the angel changes his name, right? That's, that's where that all goes on. So it seems to be that there is some place for this. So that's what we have to focus on. So let's start at the very beginning. Um, it's usually a very good place to start. And um, 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 so the beginning is, is that last night, at the beginning of Slichos, um, the best part, and everybody loves to sing this, um, um, Shreki's got a fabulous tune to it. There is this, the, there is this paragraph called Machnisei Rachamim. Machnisei Rachamim, those who bring in mercy, bring in our, our mercy. And, and we go on, we, we sing all the different parts of this. Machnisei Dima, Machnisei Dima Seinu, those who, who bring in tears, bring in our, our tears. Who are you speaking to? Malachim. You're speaking to Malachim. Again, that's, that's addressed to the Malachim. So um, there's a sid, the Siddur Avodas Leiv, Rav Chanuch Zundel, he is commenting on this paragraph, and he says, We don't ask, this is in Source 3, I apologize, we, we're going backwards to Source 3. We don't ask from any angels anything, the last paragraph is on page 2, it says, we don't ask from any angels anything, even to be... Um, um, good proponents for us um, in front of Hashem. Also, 
or to um, arouse mercy about us in front of him. This is almost an extension of Avodah Zorah, like the Ramam said. As we say, you, don't, you couldn't call out to these angels. You should call out to me. That's why they criticize any of these piyutim which address angels. We don't therefore say these things, says the says the, the Siddur of Avarzlevi, and he quotes, he doesn't say who it is, but he says, Many of the later Malachic disciples say this. Interestingly enough, you know where the Minak actually arrives from? Is actually, I, I put this in a different order, I was thinking of doing this in a different logical framework, but if you wouldn't mind just, just skipping to the very, very top of page 7 at the end, the Shibole Haleket, the Shibole Haleket lives, is Rav um, Tzid, um, Tzadike, uh, Tzadike, uh, Sadakia, Harofe, Ben Harofe, who lived in the um, twelve ten to twelve seventy five, very early on, and he in fact says, He says, He says, speaking to the angels in like many did last night, is not considered putting Hashem together with anything else. Um, right, is not compared to um, using an intermediary. He quotes a Gemara in Sanhedrin, Rabbi Victor, which says the following: We just saw this Gemara that a person should always ask for everybody to help his strengthen his prayers. And he shouldn't have any enemies in heaven. And Rabbeinu Shlomo, referring to Rashi, Rashi is Rav Shlomo, ben, Rav Shlomo Yitzchaki. Rashi says, That you should uh, ask Hashem that there shouldn't be antagonists to your case in, in, in the heaven. The Apostle says in Shir Hashem, I have sworn to you, he says that, that in fact the whole of the enterprise of Israel turns to the Malachim to say, Let our Tvilas enter. So says the Shibbolelekhet, as early as the Shibbolelekhet, there's grounds too, and this has been a very big battle throughout the centuries, as whether, ye- whether yes or no, you should or shouldn't say this. What isn't abundantly clear from this, this dispute, which has um, plagued us for, for many centuries, is what's, what's, the, what's the line between them, meaning what's the logic which differentiates them. Right now the Shibbolelekhet hasn't infused logic. What he's always said is, is that we have precedents, right? We have this Gomorrah in Sanhedrin, we have this Midrash in Shirashirim, we have this Pasuk, but he doesn't say to us, well, what's the logic? Meaning, where's the line? Because clearly it seems, from the Yerushalmi and from the Rambam's perspective, that you can't do this. Is he, is he saying, well, that side doesn't exist, that's not true, these Gomorrahs over, override? Or is he saying there is actually a distinction you can make? Okay, so you have to bear that in mind, over here, within this, within this dispute. Not clear. Everybody is staking out their ter- territory by sources. They're not necessarily saying, well, if there's a logical middle ground or not. We're not so, not so clear on this. This is not going to be the best example for it. But we will see that in just a moment that there are good examples. 
So another place where people dig in more, where there's a discussion, is in fact to be found in the realm of, um, I'm just doing this a little out of order just for the sake of um, um, a different logic that I would like to walk with you, which changed since I arranged this year. And that is, let's, let's start with Spheros, which uh, um, Jeff just mentioned a moment ago. This is in Source 9. Spheros. Okay, so uh, Kabbalistically speaking, there are ten Spheros. A, um, a Sphera, uh, some people say a sphere, some people say an orb, some say an energy point. It's very hard to describe exactly what it is. But there's patterns as to how they are arranged. And, you know, when we talk about the Spheros, why is there ten? There's ten because there is... The seven regular spheros, which we talk about, let's say, in example being during the spheros Omer, right, where you have those two words, chesed, gvura, tiferes, right, those are the seven regular spheros, and then there's another three which are called chabad, chokhmah, bina, and das, which are essentially the crown of those seven, and they're almost sort of the, the movement up to the next system. They're, they're related to the, the schema of the body, interestingly enough, right, the Sefer Yitzhira is mapping out the meridians of the body based on those ten spheros, and... Um, and in general, we shouldn't be learning about it um, until we have uh, what, what, uh, what the Rambam says, Monokreso, which means to say that we need to get Shas first, and there's lots to go on that line, um, speaking for myself, before getting to that point. However, it's fascinating to, to, to consider the following point. The Rivash, now we're talking 600 years ago, says the following um, in Source 9. He relates the following question that was asked to him. He says um, in the second line in Source 9, Rav Shimon Mikinun said the following. So he's talking about this famous rabbi that he even remembers seeing. I pray to this day, to this ideology. To, um, to attack those um, Kabbalists. Because what the Kabbalists would do is they would start focusing their Tvilas towards a particular sphere. They would say to this, let's say, you know, we need a particular thing, so we'll focus today the Tvila through Chesed. We'll focus the Tvila through Yesod today. And they would fo- their, their Tvila would now go through the prism of that particular sphere. He says, they say, this is what the Gomorrah in Baba Basra means. What does that mean? To pray directionally. So the, the Gomorrah itself says that a person can pray directionally because when you face the base of Mikdash, you know that there's the, 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 the Aaron was in the center and the Mizbeach Azov were in the center of the, of the Kodshim. But you had, on the one side, you had the, you had the Shulchan. Yeah, on the one side, you had the Shulchan. On the one side, you had the Menorah. Right, the shulchan obviously if, uh, represents metaphorically wealth and sustenance. The menorah represents wisdom, right? Uh, the idea of illumination and oil. So the Gemara says that when we're praying, if you want to, now uh, um, assumingly over here that you're facing, you're facing eastwards, so the Gemara says if you want chachmah, yadrim, you should go a little bit to the south, meaning southeast, in order that you're facing the, um, the, um, the menorah. And if you want to have oysher, wealth, you face just a little bit to the other direction towards the shulchan. So it says, it says the, 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 some of them who could say, that's not just referring to well, these two issues, it's referring in general. What you see from here is that the, the focus of your tefillah actually has a different aperture to, to point towards. 
You, you go towards the middle of the right or the left, and in the spheros, you'll notice in the chart on the left there, there are the middles of the right and the left. It's always 2, 1, 2, 1, 2, 1. Okay? Each Shmona Esra in each Brocha has different Kavana. If you're not a Mekubal like them, it's very difficult to understand. And it almost seems like you've got a different belief system. Listen to what he says. He says, one person talked about the Kabbalists and he says, There are those who serve Avodah Zorah who believe in three. Who are those? Christians. Christians. And the Mekubalim believe in the ten. Very serious. Right, what he's saying is, is that right, when, you, when, you, when you believe in Christianity, you sort of differentiate a God into, into a system of three. When you're a Mekubal, you differentiate a God into the system of ten. So, uh, very, very, very harsh words. In the next paragraph, he brings a, um, ra, um, ra, um, the Yashish, Don Yosef Shushan, who explains that, um, that really what's going on over here, just to summarize, is that when you come to a king and you're making a request of a king and you say, you know, oh king, Please help me with sustenance. So what, when you ask him for that, you say, "Please let. Um, can you please appoint that um, that your treasurer, the ministry of um, of, the, um, of the treasury, should be able to favor me when I make the request." And when you ask for a good judgment, you say, "Can you please make sure that your supreme court justice should be favorable to me on the particular court case?" You don't switch it around, right? You don't say, "Well, you know." Um, you know, please, king, I need good judgment, so let the treasurer view me favorably, because your interactions are not going to be with the treasurer when it comes to judgment. So he says, it's a basic form. Hashem HaKosh Baruch has, has his judges, has his people, has his powers in position. So you say, HaKosh Baruch I'm praying to you, but I need that this, this and this, um, um, this, and this uh, um, intermediary agency is able to uh, help me out when I get to that point. Um, but you're still praying to God. In the end of the day, the Rivash is, is not a Kabbalist, and he talks about how he doesn't understand the depths of the Ramban, who spent time doing this. In the very last two lines on, source, um, in, in, um, on page 5, he says, um, he says, even the Ramban, he says, even though I saw understandings in the Ramban, he, they don't even come close to understanding the Kabbalistic wisdom in his words. They open up one tefach, one little space, and it covers many, many more by saying what he says. And you can come to mistaking what he's saying because you just don't have the tools. So he says the Rivash, therefore my conclusion is, let's not get involved in the first place. Right? Now does this preclude it? Not necessarily. But what, what, the, what the Rivash is saying is, I don't want to get involved in this whole business. I can perhaps understand it based on the explanation that was given to me. But in the end of the day, don't do that. The way the Nefesh Chaim says it is, in the very first line, and this is, only the, this is the first line we're going to do together, he says, When you're doing a different bracha, and each bracha has a different spirit, has a different aura about it, you can think about that, but you're not, you're not directing yourself to that sphere. It may be that that's the background, the background knowledge. Very, very co- complex to understand if we don't understand what the sphere itself means itself. So, and I think that um, 
for most people that the line of the Rivash is the safest direction over here is that there is place for this and there is a way to do this that you're directing your tefillah to God but you're speaking, you're asking him to help the treasurer with you or the judge but at the same time just be careful because unless you really understand it says the Rivash you're going you're gonna to come to a mistake yes Oh yes, yes, it sounds like, you're right, Barbara says, you're right, it sounds like, it sounds like that, there, that there, there, are, there are people who are moving away in Jewish philosophy from the idea of the Rambam that everything is impotent. I mean, the Rambam is essentially saying that there's no force over here which bears any weight or free will. But it sounds like from the way that these other Gomorrahs are saying is that, you know, that we're asking angels to bring up our tefillah, it sounds like they have some form of very limited power, but we can still, and when we ask Hashem to allow the judge to give us a good din in this particular instance, it sounds like there is some power here. That's why, that, but that's why the Rivash is saying that's a very dangerous concept to play with. So how much power? I mean, how, how do you evoke that? And do you start praying towards it? You know what I'm saying? That's where you start getting into very, very murky territory, which is why some of the, that's why the Ramam really essentially closes off that possibility altogether. Um, Yes, on Friday night, even more expressly, and this one is the most famous example that was mentioned beforehand, was Shalom Aleichem on a Friday night. We're not going to have time to do all the, all the ins and outs, but just the basic, basic background. The Gomorrah tells us that, um, that on, on Friday night, a person is escorted by two angels. This is Gomorrah, this is not, um, you know, Kabbalistic uh, um, um, sources, good mainstream Gomorrah. The Gomorrah says that a person comes on Friday night, is escorted by two angels. If the angels see the house set up in a correct manner, what they do is, they, uh, the, the, the good angel says that every Shabbos it should be as such, and the, other, the, the evil angel has to say Amen. And if the house is not set up in a correct manner, if everything is, a, is, is not in the state of Shabbos, and by the way, that doesn't just mean to say, that doesn't just mean to say that the way the house looks, it also means to say the tone of the house, I'm assuming, which is not just in the hands of one party. Um, um, and the, uh, the other angel says it should always be continued in such a way and the a good angel is forced to say Amen. That's what the Gomorrah says. And from that you see already in the 13th century the development of the, when a person comes home they should go, some people say, toward, towards where the candles are and say, welcome in the angels because the Gomorrah describe the angels are with you welcome in the angels and um, later on it evolved to Barchuni L'Shalom which means bless me which means to say that the angels are actually filling a purpose not they're, it's evoking that blessing which we're hoping to get from those two, those two <coughs> angels um, and this, this Minag has created quite a stir throughout Jewish history many many people have agreed and disagreed as to what is actually going on over here um, one example of this is Rav Yaakov Emden Rabbi Yaakov Emden, we can spend a lot more time actually dealing with this. Rabbi Yaakov Emden was actually very, very critical of a lot of Kabbalistic practices. He lived at the same time as Rav Yonas and Abishith, the Yaros Tavash. And this, there was a very big controversy between the two of them. In fact, the Rav Yonas and Abishith took a position that Rabbi Yaakov Emden was vying for. And he, he was very critical that Rav Yonas and Abishith was much more Kabbalistically oriented. And um, there was a very big de debate to the extent that Rav Yaakov Emden called the Yaros Tavash, Rav Yonas and Abishitz, a follower of Shabtai Tzvi. Because remember, Shabtai Tzvi, the false messiah, just prior, was a person who, who created his following, not just because of charisma, but also because of his knowledge of deep Kabbalistic literature, which is why there was such a response, such a opposition to the Hasidic movement, and just, uh, just later, essentially, because of the, because of the damage created by Shabtai Tzvi. So in, the, in, in this section of here, just the first part of the paragraph in Source 7, he says, 
He says, when you ask Malachim something, there's a, a further concern. Right? He says, we saw that, come on, Yusham, you can't call out to these angels. Look, Chazal didn't tell us to say Shalom Aleichem. So what, you're going to suddenly arrive now and start saying this, the, the, the statement? How can we be more, more, more wise than them? Uh, right? Um, how can we be more righteous than them? And then he goes on to, to criticize it. How can you ask them for Baruch Hu We're not supposed to speak to angels. How can you ask them Shalom? If the angels are coming, how are you telling them to get out? Right? And all, the, all the things that he, that he questions, he, he questions all the way through. And throughout, throughout history, there's been a lot of questions. The Vilmagan himself questions it over here. Uh, um, how do you say Baruch Hu And Malachi Rachamim in Source 8. Um, he says, um, I don't understand how this is. And he has a more modified version. Um, of what you what, what one should say, a lot of disagreement as to uh, as to what's going on with Shalom Aleichem. Interestingly enough, within this debate, it should be made known that there is the, the rationalistic camp also has to understand this Gemara, right? Let's say the, the Rambam's camp. So how does he understand that Gemara about the angels coming home and saying this he rots onto you? How do they, so the so the Rav Yitzhak Arama, the Akedas Yitzhak says this is not referring to angels as we think about them. What is an angel? An angel is essentially, the way he understands it, is an inclination or will. So what, what's happening over here? It's not referring to something from the outside, which is now, um, which now, is now wielding power over you, <coughs> as you, a helpless victim in your house on a Friday night, are now subject to the powers that be outside of you. He says it's referring to inner, inner, your inner struggle. And inside a person, there's a struggle every week. The question is, are you going to now put in the effort to infuse positivity into this Shabbos that is going to be something which is to behold? Or is it going to be blase? You're going to just let it, let it, let it, let it flow. Let, we'll call it the, the gravity and the inertia um, flow and the week will just be like any other week. So, so the, the struggle is internally. And therefore, what are we saying when you ask, when we, when we say to the one angel to the, over the other angel, we're essentially turning inwards and saying, I hope that I'm going to survive the struggle and be the kind of person who's going to create the type of house which is going to be a place which is welcoming on Shabbos. And so it's just fascinating, fascinating enough, like, it's just like take this all away from anything outside of you and any prayers to any other forces, it's really an internal struggle. Beautifully said, we don't have the time to go through it now, but if you have a chance to in source six, like it's just like has a beautiful, beautiful description of this. Um, however, it should be known that many people do say Shalom Aleichem, that is in fact our practice. We do say Shalom, uh, shalom Aleichem, we welcome in these angels, and, um, and the place where this, uh, this most resonates is the following, where it comes to, where it comes to uh, cemeteries, um, and that is the following. The, um, the, the Chassam Sofer was asked about, um, about, a, uh, about saying, um, about, about um, Malachi Rachamim, Machnisei Rachamim, and he says the following, and we don't have the time to do it inside, but in Source 11, the Chassam Sofer says that you have to know that there's a distinction between praying to an angel and praying to a tzaddik. Isn't it, isn't it interesting? Like, you know, so he says, because the human enterprise is a linked um, unit, which means to say that every neshama itself has a place and is part of a greater whole. So therefore, when you go to a kever of a tzaddik and you pray to them, to them, potentially, this is what some people um, argue in the chasm sofer, uh, it's not a, as explicit as some would like to, uh, to see it, then essentially you're now speaking to a part of your whole, which can offer perhaps, and what we say, 
a melitz yosher. Whereas, when you're talking to a malachim, malachim are not a part of the enterprise. They're pre-programmed and there's no, there's no way to interact with them. That's what, because, that, that's what the Chazam Sofer says, which is revolutionary. So he says that maybe ultimately, when you go to Kivret Tzadikim, you are speaking maybe even to that Tzadikim themselves, which is what some people argue in this. The way that the Mishabura brings it down, this is very Nagar to our Halacha, right now, is in Source 12. The Shulchan Aruch says, this is in Hilchos Rosh Hashanah, relevant this week. The Shulchan Aruch says, Yesh Mekomos Nohagim Leilech Al HaKivrois Ulaharbois Shom Taba Tachanus Nosnim Sochar Aniyim In these days, coming up to Rosh Hashanah, there's a minag to go to the cemetery and to pray there. What are you praying to or what are you doing there? Says the Mishnah Bura, HaKvorois Debeis HaKvorois Hu Mokom Menuchos HaTzadikim he says that why is it? Because there are tzaddikim buried there. It's a place where tefillos are accepted more. Don't speak to the dead. Says the Mishnah much more turned down. You say to Hashem in the schus of those who lived lives which really changed the world. In the schus of those people, we should be answered from Hashem. You should walk around the grave, you should give tzedakah beforehand. A person shouldn't go twice to a kever on one day. Um, it shouldn't be exorbitant or um, excessive. Um, now, what you see over here is that what the way the Mishabru does it, I think this is really a framework for a lot of the discussion that we've had up to now. He doesn't go as far as those, those who argue in the Chasim Sofer that in fact there is a place that you can actually speak to and perhaps a tzaddik can, uh, can be that intermediary for you. What he does say is, is that the base like for us almost is like an antenna. Meaning to say because there are people who are buried there and, and this is the, the casing of people who spend lives changing the world around them, and making a, an incredible impact. There is a lot of kedusha which is resonant at that point, place. And lahavdil, you know, it's 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 like we're talking about a place where there's a high intensity of signal. When you're trying to make a call and you're out in the forest and you're trying to get that signal, and if you're on a hill, jumping up and down on your left foot, waving the cell phone in the in um, you know a little bit, and then you get a little bit of signal. It's very hard to make the connection. But when you're in the city. Well, actually, that might, might, might not be a good example of something that works. I'm not going to mention names. But um, when, you, when you're close to the antenna, then you get 100% full bars. Why? Because there's a hot spot nearby. When you're in a base like forest, when you're in a place of Kedusha, there's a hot spot of Kedusha because of, the, because of the people who are there. The people there are therefore helping you, but they're not the direction of Tzvila. I think that perhaps this Mishnabura is really the paradigm of what, this whole, uh, what the crux of this whole issue. As opposed to thinking of this as a, we'll call it an either-or, a mutually exclusive discussion between the two sets of Gomorrahs that are, that are talked about, whether there's power or there's not power, whether you can say Machnis Eirachim whether you can't say Machnis Eirachim, whether you can say Shalom Aleichem whether you couldn't say Shalom Aleichem, whether, um, whether you can turn to Sphiros or whether you couldn't turn to Sphiros. The perhaps, the way it is to be understood, is and quite, uh, as perhaps is clearly obvious, but needs articulation, is that there are forces which do help. But we're not supposed to address those forces. Those forces are maybe perhaps meant to augment us, whether it be at particular times, whether it be at particular places. They can help drive it further. But ultimately, in the end of the day, our, the, the place where our tefillahs are, are directed is, in fact, HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself.
And perhaps, Emir Hashem, that um, as we enter into this new year, as we enter into this new year, we should be Zoichem, that in fact all the Tullus that we say should be, uh, um, should be answered in the correct way. I'd like to end just with, um, a, um, with um, the, a story which um, I was reminded and I just remember just this morning from uh, Dr. Huberfeld. And that is, is that, um, that, you know, we've been learning this and this has been an intellectual process, this, um, this entire, uh, the, 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 the Yud Gimel Karim. However, um, it was um, on the train to Auschwitz, I'm correct, that um, there, was a, there was a particular person who was a, uh, who was a Baal Menagein, who was a person who, uh, who was a, uh, musically gifted. And um, he was on the train, and on the trains to the death camps, he, um, he composed a tune to the Animamin of, um, of Mashiach. And um, he, was so, he, he was touched at that moment so powerfully that he... Uh, he realized that this tune needed to reach the Rebbe of Mojitz, if I'm not mistaken. And, he, and what he did was he pushed somebody off the train. He asked somebody to volunteer to be the messenger to take this tune, that this tune should survive. And he pushed, the, or he asked somebody to go off the train, somebody jumped off the train and did manage, from going from place to place, managed to survive and carry that tune with them. And that tune in fact, reached the Mojitz Rebbe, Rebbe. and um, as Dr. Huberfeld's father had said, there's a beautiful movie which we're going to hopefully be showing um, this November in the shul, Project Witness, about Hungarian Jewry. How, was the, how, 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 how did he say it, Dr. Huberfeld? The words he said were about the Ani Mamins? Every single day. To him, this was, the, to him this, was, this was more than just thinking. This is, this is a way of life, because ultimately that tune which survived is a tune we all know well, which is And that was the tune. And it wasn't just the intellect, and it wasn't just Shirim. It was about a real belief system that came and emerged from those flames. Thank you, everybody, for this Tamil moment. Yeah.